0: Welcome to the VVV Podcast. Today, we are joined by the team of Niftify for a follow-up AMA. Niftify is a trustless, decentralized, peer-to-peer liquidity protocol for NFTs on Ethereum. Borrowers can use their NFTs as collateral to get loans from lenders in either DAI or wrapped ETH. As soon as the loan is paid off, The NFT will be sent back by the smart contract, allowing you to leverage the liquidity of your NFT without having to sell it.
1: Okay. Hello,
2: Stephen. Hi, George. Are you guys ready to rumble?
1: We're ready to rumble. Yes, Yes, sir.
2: Amazing. Uh, I'm very glad to have you guys back. It has been uh, quite a while since we last spoke, but I'm very, very curious to hear what you guys have been up to uh, the trends you have seen with the market changing, and overall your progress uh, with the team and with your platform, and what else you might have planned for the future thanks it thanks for having us back excited to be here and we also let me just double check We have a variety of questions from the community lined up already. Um, but how about you give us a for those guys who don't know FT, NFTFI yet. Um, can you give us a like a sh, you know, elevator pitch of what you guys do and your uh, respective roles in NFTFI?
1: Yeah, sure. So my name is Stephen Young. I'm co-founder and CEO of Nftify. We started uh, started we had the idea late 2019, started working on it um, in January 2020. And then went live in June 2020. Uh, we did about three hundred thousand dollars in loans um, in the first year, uh, and then in 2021 did forty million, and we've done like two hundred fifteen million so far this year. Um, and the way that our system works is that you can use your NFT as collateral to get a cryptocurrency loan. So you use your um, list your NFT on a platform. Lenders would then make you offers, uh, to, including loan terms such as uh, loan principal, loan duration, um, and uh, uh, the interest rate. Uh, and then uh, once you accept those terms, your asset gets held in escrow, so um, that both the borrower and lender know that it's uh, safe for the duration of the loan. And then you got the loan period to repay um, the actual uh, uh, loan principal plus interest. Um, if you repay, you you just get your NFT back. And if you don't repay, you get to keep the original amount you borrowed, uh, but the lender gets the NFT.
2: And all of this is done 100% trustless, correct?
1: That's correct, yes. Uh, so it all works. Um, listing an asset requires you to sign... Um, a message uh, w- with your signature. Uh, making an offer as a lender requires you to sign a signature with your pr- um, private key, and then executing the loan is fully on-chain transaction. Um, moving the money uh, from the borrower to the um, from the lender to the borrower and the NFT into escrow is in a single transaction, um, and then the the NFT is held inside of our smart contract for the duration of our loan um and it doesn't do any um uh for the duration of our loan for the loan um and uh yeah
2: okay thank you Stephen. and um what's your role in nftfi uh
1: i'm a co-founder and ceo all right thank you once again
2: Okay, so guys, now you have a, a brief insight into what NFTFI does, and um, I see the questions already coming in, so anything you would like to ask uh, the team, please feel free to drop it in the comments, and I'm going to read it out um, once we are through the initial questions um, by the Discord server members. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Steven, is there anything you would like to talk about, maybe you know some of the achievements you have uh, achieved in in the past couple of weeks and months or, you know, some of the trends you've seen or, you know, anything noteworthy, please feel free to, um, you know, give some insight.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so I think um, some interesting things we've seen um, is like volume on NFT, on Niftify is down, but it's down less than the volume on OpenSea. So that kind of shows you that there's, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of resiliency in loan demand, even during uh, a down market. And actually, I think what we're seeing there is quite a lot of people using a loan as downside protection in case um, uh, the market drops. So people will take out a loan and say 70%. Of the value of the actual NFT, and then if the, the the NFT value drops below that value, they just don't repay. So they've essentially it's like a stop loss for um, for your NFT collection. Um, so that's been quite interesting. The other thing that I, that's been very interesting for us has also been how low the default rates have been on things like CryptoPunks and uh, Board Apes specifically. Both of them are still below five percent um, on our platform, even um, after this huge drop in prices recently. And we're even seeing people paying back loans where the, um, the NFT is actually worth worth less than the loan. Uh, I think largely those are people who have uh, like an emotional attachment to those actual nfts uh, so
0: so yeah so I think those are two
1: of the the, um, the big trends we've seen uh, the other thing we've seen is uh, all of a sudden a lot more loans again on kind of the old school generative art, so I've had quite a few autoglyph loans, Uh, so so kind of seeing some of the volume moving away from PFPs back into generative art uh, a little bit, although uh, PFPs generally are um, very dominant uh, in terms of actual loan volume. I guess it depends if you consider um, CryptoPunks uh, PFPs or an art project, I think there's a case to be made for both. but yeah, so kind of things are ticking along. We're seeing steady growth in, in users, um, you know, more and more uh, um, API lenders, so, uh, which means you can now expect if you, if you list a, a, a blue chip asset, uh, often you'll get offers within less than 10 seconds of listing. Uh, so uh, very quick uh, turnaround time in offers.
2: What's the average interest rate uh, the lenders
1: earn on your platform? Uh it depends a lot on the on the collections. So on CryptoPunks it's around eleven percent. Ten between ten and eleven percent APR. Border apes are like twenty to thirty percent. Um and some of the more risky uh assets are you know sixty percent plus. So it really depends on um, you know, how risky the asset is that you're landing on.
2: And how many collections have you um unlocked for your service until now?
1: Uh, it's like over two hundred and fifty. I can't remember. Do you, uh, George, do you know the the number off the top of your head?
2: Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a between two hundred and
1: fifty and two hundred and sixty uh, collections. Yeah, yeah. And you guys have
2: certain metrics in in place, right? Not every collection can just get uh, unlocked for your service.
1: Yes, that's correct. So uh, because of gas costs, you know, there's a, a minimum uh, uh, loan amount that kind of makes sense. Probably with gas cost weather at the moment probably $500, something like that. Uh, so, so we make sure that there's at least some assets that are worth enough for um, there to be actual, um, worthwhile to be doing any loans. And then we also look to make sure that there's uh, at least a uh, so, uh, good secondary market volume so that if there's default, people can um, uh, actually liquidate the assets. Uh, and that also gives an indication of how big and active the community is. Uh, and then obviously if, if we're getting requests from our community to um, to approve an asset, obviously that bumps it to the top of the list. So uh, we kind of ha- get requests on a weekly basis and we also scan um, uh, like OpenSea and all of the big marketplaces um, for looking for new projects that are kind of starting to meet our criteria and then we'll uh, proactively whitelist some of them.
2: And what's the term duration uh, would you offer for the different loans
1: so it's uh, any duration really uh, but the most common ones we're seeing are um, around 30 days we also see quite a lot of quite short duration ones where people have short-term need for capital so like one to seven days um, and uh, every now and then about a we see a 90 or a 180 day loan but those are much less common i think mainly because lenders are kind of weary to take a risk for such a long period in such a uh, volatile asset class
2: yeah that makes sense um and so the last time we spoke um you, you've been the biggest
1: uh, lending platform in the nft space it? does it still hold true yeah we're still the biggest uh bendow has uh picked up quite a lot although they've had quite a lot of issues around um defaults in liquidity um with the kind of market going down uh, but yes we still do the majority of the volume on a on a daily basis
2: and how do yourself and this was one of the
1: community questions how do you
2: compare yourself to other lending platforms like drops for example
1: yeah so um you know so we we've kind of been around the longest we've got the deepest liquidity um you know we're doing We've done almost eighteen thousand loans, I think now. So, um, so, so really it's um, you know we the most trusted, deepest liquidity. Our um, contracts have been the most battle tested. They've seen the most uh, volume. Uh, so uh, you know a lot of safety in there. Um, and then uh, you know we're compared to the peer to pool uh, pro- protocols. You know what the peer to pool guys often offer is. Um, variable interest, variable duration, um, and we offer fixed interest. Uh, we are uh, exploring uh, f- a variable duration loans to uh, kind of in the near future, but uh, haven't uh, the, the confirmed exactly when they will go live. Um, and and then what that means is with our loans, you, you always know when. Um, you, your loan is actually due. There's no auto liquidations that can get triggered by some kind of drop in the market where you all of a sudden have to repay immediately or you lose the asset. You always have the full loan duration to decide to repay or um, or not, depending on your uh, situation and the market conditions.
2: Have you also already rolled out the uh, bundles feature?
1: Bundles are is in development at the moment, so it should be sometime in the next uh three to five weeks, uh, depending on how testing goes there. Okay.
2: And what's your business model uh, at the moment? I believe you, you do have a fee, but, it, but it's rather low uh, for people using the Yes, platform.
1: so we take 5% of the interest earned by the lender. So borrowers don't pay anything, and then lenders pay us 5% of the profit that they make.
2: And how do you see that um, in terms of transitioning into a self-sustaining business model.
1: Yes. So I think over the long run, uh, there's probably room to increase that fee a little bit. Uh, But I think we're still in the kind of stage of the market where, um, you know, growth and kind of capturing market share is the most important thing. So we're not overly optimizing to try extract the most value at the moment. We're just trying to, um, kind of grow our community and network as big as possible, um, uh, you know, and kind of don't want fees to be the thing that makes people decide not to use us. Yeah.
2: You have to be successful first, right, before you can start optimizing uh,
1: for top-line revenue. Yes, 100%. Um, And look, and also I think, you know, our view... The NFT market is going to be so big in the future, and there's going to be so much, you know, uh, lending activity uh, in kind of like the steady state that um, I don't think you need a massive fee to have a, a sustainable business. Um, you know, at the moment, at the current market size, obviously you do, uh, but you know, roll forward five to ten years, and I think um, the NFT market is going to be orders of magnitude bigger than it is now, um, and the loan volumes. Um, running through um, landing platforms are going to be uh, significantly higher too
2: and I want to transition into uh, maybe a somewhat delicate topic, so you know if that's off limits, then please let me know um, yep. but w- what's your plans uh, you know for distributing an NFTFI token and for the use mm-hmm. of the token potentially within your ecosystem?
1: Yeah, so uh, we have announced that we will be doing a token. Obviously, with the, the the market conditions being what they are, I don't think now is the absolute best timing. Uh, but we've largely done all of the engineering work there. Uh, there's a few kind of um, like uh, you know, final tests that we need to do to do, um, to kind of get that ready. But we're basically ready to go, uh, and we're just really waiting for market conditions to to be favorable for um, uh, you know and where we can get the most. Uh, bang for the buck for actually um, doing these uh, token generation events Uh, but it's definitely coming it's definitely on a roadmap it's very important for us to have a community-owned platform we just want to um, kind of make sure you know that's a that's a bullet you can only fire once Um, so we want to make sure that we do it at exactly the right time
2: Oh, one hundred percent, because we've also seen what happens if you if you shoot that bullet the wrong way right then it can hit you right back 100% 100% And what's the sentiment um, amongst your investors are any of them getting potentially impatient uh, or do they all understand that launching within uh, the current market is not sensible?
1: Yeah, I think everybody understands that now is not the, not the right time to launch, so I haven't really got any pressure from, um, from investors um, on that front
2: Okay, that's great to hear so let me see um let me just scroll through some of the questions here and let me start with uh some of the ones which we got from our uh, internal server are there any other projects than meta street which are building on top of nft5
1: yes so um, there's quite a few so there's uh, another um Gringotts. Um, uh, so, so uh, sorry, uh, Goblin Sachs. Sorry. Um, so they they changed the name. So uh, Goblin Sachs is essentially, they've got liquidity and they're building services on top of uh, Niftify and settling on top of us. So um, they've got an API that provides instant liquidity. They're working on a few other products. Um, they've got bots that actively um, lend on our platform. So they. Um, They act as liquidity providers, but are also building additional products um, on top of us. Uh, We're speaking to another uh, uh, organization that is looking to potentially build an options protocol um, on top of Niftify that that would allow uh, lenders to essentially take out insurance on defaults um, um, on their actual loans, which should allow them to give um, higher APR loans, uh, and then we're also speaking to another group of people to um, to potentially build another product on top of us. So uh, so yes, there's there's a there's a bunch of people building on top of us. Lots of lenders integrating with us directly. NFT Bank have an integration um, in the works with us, where you can directly from inside their app get a loan um, on Niftify, um where they also would act as the lender. So um, we're definitely seeing quite a few people. Uh, Let do that. We we actually saw a really cool hackathon project um, at the at the recent NFT financialization hackathon, where uh, somebody built a um, like a, a lending club essentially that allowed people to kind of to pool capital together and then execute loans on NipDify, um and then uh, uh, for for a fixed duration. So we're seeing quite a lot of activity on that front. Uh, if anybody else is interested in building on top of us, too, always uh, happy to speak to people and get you set up with API keys um, and help uh, you guys uh, uh, get started as quickly as possible.
2: Thank you, Steven. And I think that's an incredible uh, concept to let other people leverage what you have built. I think that's is that maybe also something which you have decided to to, uh, to do uh, for strategical reasons. Is that maybe one of the things which allow you to stay ahead of the competition.
1: Yes, exactly. You know, so really we see ourselves as a, a platform and uh, really Notify is an agreement protocol. Um, you know, the first bunch of agreements are, uh, are loans, but they can really be anything. So, you know, so for us, we, we especially kind of once the token comes out, and we have a bit of full community around us. We really want to, to foster this idea of, Building a, like an ecosystem of uh, agreement types that all kind of work together to help financialize NFTs and help foster peer-to-peer commerce um, in the NFT space. And so another
2: question uh, again from Michael, what challenges do you see in general
1: when it comes to lending, borrowing with NFTs? Uh, well, so, in general, in this space, I think things like um, pricing is really difficult, which is part of the reason why we follow a peer-to-peer model uh, where we kind of rely on the lenders to, to figure out pricing uh, because I think there's just going to be, in the long run, just so many different kinds of NFTs. Uh, there's going to be, you know, different lenders will have specialized knowledge in different um, uh, areas and different projects uh, and verticals and they will be able to offer better terms because they've got deeper knowledge of that space. Um, and really what we want to do is uh, kind of provide the mechanism for people to be able to compete um, to, to find the best prices. So I think pricing is really is really tricky. Um, being able to handle utility in a way that uh, it doesn't require projects to make a lot of changes, that just works transparently. I think it's going to become... More and more of an issue, I think at the moment is still relatively limited. There's not that many NFTs that have a huge kind of um, utility component to them, but it's going to become more and more important, I think, as, as time goes on. So I think that's that's a big thing. Um, and then just just the illiquidity, you know, we saw this recently now with Bendow, you know, running into uh, liquidity uh, price uh, uh, issues with uh, all of their auctions uh and you know as the space gets bigger and and a higher and higher percentage of um, the the assets in a collection are being collateralized at any given time that problem is just going to become uh more and more difficult to um to handle which is again you know part of the reason we picked up peer to peer models because we kind of sidestep that completely because we don't have these um, liquidations that all get triggered at the same time Our, our liquidations are spread out over time so so, yeah, so I think those are um, some of the biggest challenges. Uh, you know, I think more scalable blockchains, really, for the next wave of innovation in, in terms of NFTs, I think, are um, going to be required. But, uh, you know, I think ZK Sync and a lot of these L2 um, uh, ZK roll-ups uh, are going to be very um, beneficial in that space. So I'm excited about the future. And which change do, chains do you currently um, support? So at the moment, we're only mainnet. Uh, we're launching on Flow sometime soon, and then we're also uh, currently actively evaluating other altitudes just to kind of see if there is um, any um, you know, growing and sustainable communities uh, developing. Uh, so And definitely seems to be like some sustained traction. It's just... You know, the last year and a half, we've seen lots of, um, you know, signs of things taking off and then dying off again. So, we're just being a little bit um, cautious around, like, seeing some actual sustained traction.
2: All right. And we have uh, one question which came up by Bayonet. And um, I I will slightly slightly rephrase uh, the question, but Mm -hmm. it's a smart one. So... What's your personal background, Stephen? And how did you manage to build the
1: world's largest NFT lending platform? Yeah. Um, okay. So my personal background is I've I've actually been, you know, when I was in high school, there were two subjects that I like really enjoyed, and that was uh, uh, computer science and art. Uh, and actually, the way I got exposed to uh, computer programming was uh, using, I don't know if anybody remembers, there was a program called Logo, um, and it was it was this little turtle that you, you could program to move across a screen, um, and it essentially was a very kind of crude generative arts generation um, tool that was used to teach kids how to um, to program, so, so my first exposure to programming really was um, generative art, um, and then when I left high school I had to decide between art and uh, programming and started to do programming because it was 1998 and everyone uh, was getting rich. So it was just before the dot-com uh, implosion. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I ended up like spending the next 20 years or so uh, building software mainly uh, in like banks. Uh, so banks, asset managers, uh, fintechs, uh, long-term insurers, short-term insurers. Uh, but in the meantime, I'd been kind of do, uh, doing art on the side, uh, painting, drawing, uh, some genres of art as well. Uh, and then in 2016, got super deep into crypto, uh, left my kind of job at a big safe asset manager uh, to go find an exchange in 2018. Uh, and then when um, uh, I left there, I took a little bit of time off and then ended up in the NFT space. And so, you know, NFTs really allowed me to combine like, you know, the three things that I knew the best, which was programming, finance, and art. So um, it really was the perfect storm for me.
2: And how did you go about finding the right team members for
1: your venture? So for the first... um, Initially, it was really kind of me and, like, one other co-founder who were building the core um, of the platform. So um, so it was just us in the beginning. And then once we started getting some traction and I'd raised uh, our first seed round, like pre-seed round, really, uh, I the, kind of had a list of people that I'd worked with over the last 20 years that I really wanted to work with um, again. You know, if like, uh, I'm sure everybody's got that, that you know, there's people that you work with, you're like, yeah, I really, really want to work with them again. So so our CTO, um, our designer, um, you know, front-end developers, they're all people that I've worked with in the past that I kind of brought across um, to, to um, come join me. And then um, Jonathan, my other co-founder, he actually, we met through like token engineering uh, he was actually an initial angel for Niftify and then I really liked the way that he worked. So I spent, you know, the next nine months trying to convince him to leave his other gig to come, um, come join us. So, so yeah, so it's a little bit of uh, people that I knew or had run across that I really want to work with, and then we also for other key hires we work with a with a headhunting agency, and we we spend quite a lot of time talking about exactly. You know, who the person is, you know, like what kind of um, experience they have, which places would they have worked. And then they go out and find us really good CVs and kind of pre-vet them for us. And that's, that's really worked very well for us.
2: Did you have any um, problems with other platforms or other projects trying to poach some of your team members or some of your employees? Not
1: employees yet. They definitely try to poach our borrowers and lenders, that's for sure. Um, But uh, not on the employee side yet.
2: And how big is your team
1: and where is it located? Uh, So we have 15 people now uh, and we are located mostly kind of Central European time zone. Uh, The dev team is largely in South, uh, South Africa, in Cape Town. Uh, and then we've got um, Jonathan my co-founders in 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 Switzerland. We've got some people in Slovenia, Poland, Berlin, uh, Denmark. Uh, so kind of all spread out all over the place. We've got like some some people who are working with us um, uh, part-time. they're in Canada. We've got uh, like some other people contributing to the project quite a lot that are in South America, so it really is globally distributed, but the core team is mostly kind of Central European time zones.
2: And how much money, like, how much money did you need to raise to get everything off the ground? Or you know, did you get the platform up and running before you even started to raise? Can
1: you maybe guide us through, yes. through
2: you know, some of the? the yeah,
1: time? so we, um, so I built the first version and we went live. Uh, just so basically, I, um, I was taking some time off, so I had spent some spare time and then. Uh, lockdown happened, so basically we were just sitting um, inside the house for I mean, three months, four months, um, so we spent all of that time building it ourselves, um, and then, and only then also after we got some traction and we were seeing some, um, some volumes, we were kind of seeing steady growth every month, uh, we, only then did we really start um, trying to raise money, so by the time we were raising money, we were seeing very strong growth already.
2: What's your opinion
1: on the it,
2: it seems pretty uh prevalent in the space that people start raising money before they have an
1: actual product yes um look i mean it's it's that's quite a nice luxury to be able to have um uh, you know when we were trying to do this like the NFT ecosystem didn't really exist you know so it would have been very difficult for us to to raise um, in that environment Um, kind of before it was before Bored Apes uh, you know CryptoPunks were below one Ether Uh, CryptoKitties was still kind of the biggest project around um, CryptoKitties and CryptoPunks really Um, and Autoglyphs were less than two Ether so it really was a different um, world for us Uh, you know I think It did, you know, in a way, it did also slow us down, right? Because so we did that first version and then we started getting traction, and it was really just me working on it full time. So I was, you know, raising money and like trying to keep the servers up and running and doing bug fixes and doing prod support um, and, you know, like growing the community and handling Twitter. So. You know, if we had raised money earlier, uh, you know we could have been kind of uh, you know we could have had a bigger team already then uh, so so I do think there's pros and cons to, to each um you know if you can raise some capital before you have a product that's you know that's great, <clears throat> uh, but I would just then be very, very careful about keeping the team super lean until you've got product market fit because. Uh, you know, you never know how long it takes to get that, and um, you know, you really don't want to run out of money before you do. Yeah, I think that's a
2: very healthy point of view and approach. So, let me ask uh, some of the questions which have been posted in our comments. Okay, uh, give me one moment. So, to one question which which came up twice is: How do you avoid? Um, making uh, a scam collection um yeah. accessible through nftfi or you know potentially letting people take
1: out loans on a on a rock project yes um so that's part of the reason we have that approval process because really you know i mean there's no cost for us to approve a a project um, but you know part of the reason we have those criteria is because uh you know, makes it less likely that it's a rug project. Uh, and then also we do due diligence on every one of those projects before we approve them to make sure that it is actually the, the correct um, smart contract address, that the, the project actually is legit, that there's a real community, that they actually do have secondary volume. Uh, so, so that by the time these assets are listed on Niftify, you know for sure that they've, that they are the correct assets and they're not a fake contract. So, um, so basically, if you know, if you see a CryptoPunk on Notify, it's definitely a CryptoPunk because we specifically white-approved uh, the uh, Crypto the Wrapped CryptoPunk uh, smart contract.
2: Um, <clears throat> but there's no safety mechanism, and obviously, you know, that's external factors which you cannot influence. But there's no safety mechanisms in place where, you know, what happens if a, a founder decides to, you know. Let the collection hang on. You know, do something
1: illegit- yes. illegitimate. No unfortunately, no, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. Uh, so, and that is part of the reason why you know less established projects r- r- have much higher interest rates because lenders are taking mm. higher risk, um, like doing loans on them.
2: Yeah, I think you know I've made this point once before, and I think it's it's very important for everyone to understand that in all aspects of life the interest which you earn always either directly or indirectly reflects the risk you accept as the lender. So yep. the risk of the collection, the higher the APY that you're going to receive.
1: Yes, 100% too.
2: So we have another question by Daniele and he's stating NFT bundles allow to diversify the risk. If the floor of an involved collection tanks, the bundle might still have enough value for the borrower to repay the loan. Which implications do you see regarding this? Are you expecting a higher loans volume?
1: Yes, I do think that they I mean, I think it bundles do a, like a few things As that's one of them You you can kind of spread the risk because it's a, a number of different assets. It also all of a sudden makes You know say you've got 10 or 20 assets that individually aren't worth, you know all that much You can now bundle them together and get a single loan uh, so Making the the gas uh, costs, you know, a, a smaller portion of the actual loan costs. So, uh, I think that opens the door f- for that. Um, you know, we're also seeing, you know, very big loans. So we've had, um, you know, a couple of lenders using you know hundred plus punks uh, to do loans totaling, you know, more than eight million dollars each. But they're actually made up of a bunch of individual loans on individual punks. So, you know, so I think you'll have. More kind of smaller loans made up of lower value assets. I think you'll have more mixed um, bundles, which would should reduce the risk a little bit. And then also think you'll have some bigger loans coming through there, just because it's easier logistically to um, to bundle them all together. And can you
2: elaborate? I, I think that's a very obvious answer, but can you elaborate about the? Status of your team being
1: doxed. Uh, oh, yeah, we're all uh, fully doxed. There was never really um, any consideration not to do that. Um, so you know, there's information on all, everybody in the team on LinkedIn. You can go see Niftify the company. You can see all the employees there. Um, so yeah, so everybody's fully doxed. There's no there's no anonymous people in our team. Yeah and I obviously
2: know it because one of our community members actually met with all of your teammates <laughs> uh, yeah. on one of the I think in, it it was in New York right
1: yes that was cool it was a it was a crazy week <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got some
2: great feedback from him and uh, you know, and I awesome. coincidentally I met with him as well uh, a couple of weeks later so yeah, it's awesome. always cool as the, you know the circle uh, goes around So uh, another question is, since NFTFI aims to become fully decentralized and permissionless, how does the team decide on which projects to list and what's the team responsibility in relation to bad projects, drugs? And the the follow-up question here would be, because you touched on this earlier, are you going to put the responsibility of what gets listed at some point in the community's hands or is it always going to be curated by the team?
1: Yep, that's a great question. So at the moment, you know, all we're really, you know, so we're not taking a value judgment on is this a project that's worth investing in. We have some very like objective criteria around, you know, you know, does the, is this ESC 721 compliance? Um, you know, does it implement all the functions that we need? Uh, the Does it, um, is there at least, you know, a certain percentage of the assets that are um, of high enough value that it's practical to do a loan on it. So none of those things actually tell you that that project is necessarily a safe investment. So, you know, you should always be, you know, lenders should always be doing their own um, assessments on, on projects and kind of look at their risk. And, you know, like their loans should also not be based purely on, you know, what is this asset worth today, you should also have some kind of view of how likely this asset is to still be worth um, that same amount by the time the loan is due. So, you know, so, so I think it really is on the lender's responsibility to make sure that the, those assets are, um, uh, that the assets that they lend on are assets that they're comfortable taking a risk on. Uh, Now, in the long run, I do think that this belongs with the community. So, uh, you know, approving and removing projects should be part of the community um, uh, responsibility. So, I think that will probably be one of the first things that we um, like hand over to the community, where they can approve or disapprove projects um, uh, as they see fit.
2: And and only if you have thought about this in practice, but how would you um, do the? the voting process uh, with
1: the community? Yeah, we haven't finalized everything there, but most likely it will be something like Snapshot. We would do some off-chain voting and then we just execute on, on-chain where we, with some kind of governance council to kind of execute the actual on-chain transactions uh, in accordance to what the community voted on. Okay, that makes sense. And again, you touched on this earlier, but maybe
2: you could uh, elaborate on it. A- once more so the question is is there a contingency for the event when nft drops in value to below the loan amount to stop the borrower from keeping the loan and leaving the lender stuck with the nft uh
1: no so that is part of the risk that a lender takes and it's also what earns them their apr uh, so So that is something that as a lender, you need to kind of be comfortable with that you're willing to take that asset. Uh, You know, a lot of lenders like defaults because they have liquidation strategies that actually um, potentially end up being more profitable than the actual loan. So um, a lot of them will hold the asset until the price recovers or, you know, they know they're part of a collector now who would then automatically buy the asset from them. So... Um, so I do think getting defaults and being able to liquidate those assets should be part of the plan of any lenders. Uh, and part of their risk calculation should be that the, the borrowers don't um, repay the loan if the, if the asset is worth less than the, the, the actual loan principle.
2: And <clears throat> a follow-up question uh, by Michael again. Stephen said that one of the biggest challenges is pricing NFTs. What, NFTs are, what is NFTFI doing to help users properly
1: price an NFT? Yeah, so we try to show as much stats as we can. Uh, at the moment, that includes the floor price from OpenSea, the last sale price of the assets. We also use both NFT Bank and um uh upshots to to get price estimates uh you know obviously you know like take those with a grain of salt they're not always 100 percent accurate but it should give you uh, a little bit of a sense uh, and then the other thing we also show you is loan history on that specific asset so you can see how what it got in on previous loans and also uh like 30-day rolling average uh, loan principle for that collection. So uh, so you can get a sense for what other assets in the collection are going for. Uh, so those th- that should give you some information to triangulate, but you should, again, like I said, you should always do your own um, uh, homework.
2: And <clears throat> another question Um which is what does NFTFI look like in two years? What are the team's plans to keep on top of the crypto landscape, regardless of sentiment?
1: Yeah, so so I think yeah. for us it's really important to kind of uh, be the the kind of top settlement layer for NFT loans in um, uh, like in, in the world, really. So so we would really kind of be focused around really uh, optimizing the the borrower experience making sure that it's super easy for them Uh, we're looking at ways to do instant liquidity so you don't have to wait for offers Uh, we are you know looking at other types of uh, loans to kind of give borrowers more um, flexibility in the type of agreements that they get Uh, like i said before there's all of these other projects building on top of us so you know in two years time hopefully Loans is just one of the things that you can do um, using Niftify as the, as the actual underlying settlement layer. Um, we're working really hard on partnerships, so looking to um, to kind of be integrated uh, in the background, uh, like already like we're going to be doing with um, NFT Bank um, and, another, and a few other places um, to kind of integrate directly with the places you already are using your NFTs uh, and being able to get a loan directly from there. Uh, but you know, you know, really kind of staying super focused on like the core mission for us, which is you know like enabling NFT um, decentralized NFT uh, financialization, really, um, and kind of uh, being at the forefront of that.
2: So you have no plans of slowing down and not begin- being the biggest anymore?
1: No, 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 not uh, not on the horizon if we can help it.
2: Okay, uh, the next question is, how do you ensure customers using NFTFI have a positive experience and keep coming back? The volatility of NFT ETH prices means that a lot of, lot of people are likely to be making bad trades. Do you include customer education to make sound financial decisions as a goal of NFTFI?
1: Yeah, so uh, so it's all, this is something that we are spending um like a lot of time talking about internally, we definitely think education is very, very important. And especially like, um, like you said, you know, taking leverage is a risky um, uh, behavior that you need to be able to kind of do in a manner that is safe uh, and kind of fits with your financial goals. So, um, so Andre is uh, from our team is really kind of um, pioneering that whole um, effort, And we are, uh, really looking at, at like how do we educate people? How do we make sure help people make sure that they stay safe? Um, how do we help them understand like what strategies they have and what are the risks involved in in there? Um, like I come from a traditional retail asset management background, and you know a large portion of what we were trying to do is to make sure that. Um, investors actually understood the products that they were buying because a lot of the, the the bad financial decisions they were making is because they they didn't understand the product when they were buying them, um, and then that caused really bad outcome for them uh, in the long run. Uh, and you know I think it's the same with with this. You know, it's just the financial products. They can get complicated. You know, the risks aren't always obvious. Uh, you know, I think it is on um it is our responsibility to make sure that our users understand what they're getting into. Do you
2: see any risk for regulators potentially interfering with the overall NFT lending um,
1: mechanisms? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always a risk with regulators in the crypto space, right? Like, I think if you're a a crypto startup, like, your two biggest risks really are getting hacked and the SEC. Um, So it's something that we're very aware of. We try to kind of do walk on the line of being more safe uh, than uh, we need to be and really trying to make sure that, you know, when a regulator comes and they start paying attention to the space, which I, we hope they do eventually, right? Because, um, you know, it, as soon as it's big enough to be significant, they're going to pay attention and we all want things to be um, significant um, in, in this uh, area that we're, we're all busy building in. So, it's going to come at some point. We we are kind of watching the landscape all the time. We've got a team of lawyers, um, kind of all over the world, helping us um, cover all of our different jurisdictions and making sure that we stay on top of uh, what the developments are there. I haven't heard any, you know, rumors of them targeting things like lending directly, but I, I suspect there's probably quite a few. NFT projects that um, the ACC might take a look at and ask if it wasn't the security. Uh, so, you know, I suspect over the next three to four years, you'll see more and more scrutiny there. Um, and you know, we'll monitor and do whatever we can to stay um, on the uh, on the uh, the right side of the regulatory line. There.
2: Yeah, I mean, it should probably be fairly easy. Where you know, if. Uh collection the us under the screws you need and you can just remove it from your platform, right? And then at least yes, eliminate more the risk for Yes, or if it becomes
1: you. a security and we need to get a license to deal with those securities, you know, then you know, we'll we'll kind of explore that avenue too, right? So okay. um, kind of all, all things kind of open, uh, you know, but, you know, our ethos really is kind of community-owned, community-governed uh, protocols. So, you know, so that'll never go away, but we'll try to do that in a way that Protects our DAO members and team members and investors and ourselves from going to jail um, because, in the long run, that's in the interest of the project, right? You want to be compliant and kind of like coexist in the world with the rest of um, uh, the financial system. And, um, you know, like we, we need that if we want this to go mainstream.
2: Yeah, the only ways to do it all above board. I think there's too many projects out there which you know, try to get away with um, jurisdictions like the Seychelles or Cayman Islands or, you know, yep. some other places where you are already in the company of questionable characters, which yep. then already by association, you know, put you in, in into uh, some category in which you might not would like be, to be put in, right? So yep. I think doing it, uh, in a transparent way and being corrective about everything that's going on is probably the one which is going to lead to longevity.
1: Yep, 100%. Um, you know, it's like, it's a bit of a drag and it means you're a bit slower on certain things because you have to, you know, uh, tick a bunch of boxes. But uh, like you said, in the long run, I think it is the way to kind of survive, right? You can't do crazy stuff. Um, but, you know, same time it is crypto, right? So we need to, um, there's not always going to be laws for the things we're trying to do yet, because a lot of the stuff we're trying to do is just brand new. So you know, there there are these kind of grey areas, but you kind of want to be a good actor, acting in be- in good faith, um, while you are kind of operating in those areas where the where the um, regulation isn't clear yet.
2: Yeah, and I mean, even even if there are grey areas, it's still like fairly easy to do the right thing, right? Because yes you know the SEC and and lawmakers and regulators they are they do have common sense and as long as you obviously did the right thing then you have a a much better chance of not getting punished yep so Mike is asking many NFT projects use airdrops or other mechanisms to reward people that hold the NFT since the NFTs are moved to an escrow account that becomes impossible do you see any solution for that? And he's referring, obviously, when you know when you take out a loan, your NFT yes. gets put into the smart contract.
1: Yeah. So we do have like a flash claim facility similar to bend out at the moment, uh, but really that's it's kind of like a stopgap measure in my opinion. So so uh, we did a press release recent recently where we announced a partnership with Gnosis Safe um, and. What that would mean is, once that's complete, uh, is instead of the asset being moved into a generic escrow account um, that you kind of mixes all of them together, what we will do is we would actually deploy a new uh, Gnosis safe for every user who takes out a loan. Uh, and then we would actually escrow the assets that, um, in a safe that they actually own themselves, but we would block the transfer of those assets for the duration of the loan. So, you wouldn't you you would, you wouldn't be able to transfer or sell the asset, but you would still be able to sign for it as if you own it. You'd still be able to, you know, receive airdrops. You'd be able to sign in to get into Discord servers, you know, all of those kinds of things as if you still own the asset. So, um, you know, so that's part of the reason we've taken a little bit longer to solve this problem because we really want to kind of solve it in a kind of foundational way where you know it just kind of works transparently and is super secure
2: okay thank you is there anything um in your upcoming events or upcoming plans where the community could support you or help you or
1: is there anything you you would need or any areas in which you can support you Yes, uh, well, so we are, we're we're going to be at NFT London So if anybody's in NFT London, please reach out We'd love to meet up with you guys um, So that would be really cool uh, And then we are, you know, lots of cool new features coming soon Collection offers, um, bundles are coming There's like and safe integration is probably also, is coming Hopefully before the end of the year too We'll see um, on that one but uh, yeah, we just love your support. And then, you know, for us, we're really trying to meet um, as many people as we, ca- as we can who kind of uh, uh, own assets that are um, kind of uh, approved on Niftify. So, you know, if you know anybody or um, your big collector groups that you'd like us to kind of speak to or that you um, think we should know, uh, please feel free to introduce us. Uh, you know, it's all about kind of growing that community and getting people to understand that they can use NFTs in this way to kind of um, you know do other things with. So um, so really, I think it's education that this is possible to do um, is probably like one of the biggest things we could um, all help each other with.
2: And where are you currently located yourself, Steven?
1: I am at the moment I'm in Cape Town uh, I uh, will probably be in Norway sometime soon again, um, so I'm kind of between Norway and Cape Town uh, uh, most of the year.
2: Okay, interesting
1: <laughs> <laughs> you've you got the the heat and the cold yep about as far it's um yeah as far north and as far south as you can go um in the same time zone, so <laughs> uh, we're keeping it interesting
2: all right uh stephen George that's um so far all of the questions from the community if there's um anything else you would like to share say, or um, ask the community, please feel free to do so. I just wanted to say
1: thanks. You know, you guys have been such great supporters of us. Uh, it's always been—it's always really interesting and good questions when it's your community getting involved. So, really appreciate you guys taking the time to to join us.
2: Yeah, my pleasure, Stephen. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys, and I'm, I'm very excited for the progress you're making. And it's very obvious that you guys have the right philosophy for what you do. And I've been bullish. Um, I don't know when we first spoke, maybe four months ago. And mm. I'm more bullish now in the bear market. I, I think NFT awesome. has a very bright future. And I'm very much looking forward to what you guys are going to pull off in
1: the next couple of weeks and months. Thank you so much. and uh, Hopefully see you around on the Twitter space again soon. Oh, for sure. Thank you for being here, Stephen. Awesome. Thank you, George.
2: See you me. guys soon. Thanks for having us. You. And Bye, guys. Bye-bye. And thank you guys for listening in. I would be appreciative if you could leave one retweet and one like and maybe say thank you in the comments to our guests for joining us today and um yeah thank you guys once again it's always a pleasure to see so many smart questions coming in and just as with the previous events we're going to pick the best questions and we're going to announce the winners of the respective vital spots for the best questions um probably towards um beginning of next week, maybe on Sunday. And we're going to continuously do so to incentivize everyone staying active and staying engaged and to providing our partners and friends with the best possible experience during those AMAs. And as you guys know, we have a very busy schedule lined up. Uh, Let me just double check our calendar. We have Um, The weekly meeting on Sunday, of course, at 8 p.m. CET slash 2 p.m. EST. And then we have an AMA on Monday with Cardinal, which is, uh, again, 8 p.m. CET or 2 p.m. EST. And the day after, we have another big event with the subspace network, which is going to be slightly sooner. That's going to be happening at 6 p.m. CET which I believe is noon EST. So please make sure whenever you guys are around, or can make time for those MAs to show up. The engagement is always very much appreciated. It's going to make the um, events much more exciting for us, for everyone listening, and of course to our guests as well. So thank you guys once again. It has been a pleasure today. And I'm very much looking forward to talking to you again on Sunday and to seeing you, hopefully, in our next MAs next week. Thank you, and have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published, but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.